words from, from people that we love have a lot of power in our lives, you know? Um, Words have the ability to build us up and, and to give us confidence and, and courage to try something we would never do on our own. That words have this ability to, to call us into more and to, and to guide us. Words from people we love have this ability to help us grow and achieve and succeed. Words from people have the ability to, to speak life. The other day, this is a really small example um, two weeks ago, we did a little staycation, and one of our neighbors has a swimming pool, and me and my kids were, were swimming in the pool, and, and I was throwing our kids, and, and Merritt, my, my five-year-old, she, I'm holding her, I'm about to throw her, and she looks at me, and she says, Dad, you're so handsome. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, gosh, Merritt, thank you. Like, I didn't know I needed that five-year-old affirmation like I did, but clearly it did. I just felt better about myself all day. Like, just, you know what? My five-year-old thinks I'm handsome. Like, think about my, my father-in-law, and he had four daughters, my, and I married the oldest. Courtney's the oldest of four girls, and he's a great man, and um, one of the things that he did is he, he created this, and I don't even know where this came from, but he, he kind of created this like family motto for, for them. And so their, their family motto was, be a leader, chase your dreams, and remember people need the Lord. And he would just speak this over them all the time. And it's in their hearts, you know, it's on their minds. I've tried to like create a new one, but that's just the one that's sticking, you know, it's just so good. And, 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 I, and I've watched these, these powerful words really guide my wife's life. You know, I've, I've watched her be a leader. I've watched her, you know, um, take a stand for things that matter. I've watched her not be afraid to go against the grain to not just follow the crowd because that's what the crowd's doing. I've watched her, her be a leader. I've watched her chase her dreams as she went to PT school, became a physical therapist. I've watched her chase her dreams and becoming a, a mom and now a foster mom and just crushing it. I've watched her chase her, her dreams. I've watched her um, um, embrace this understanding that people need the Lord as as she 14 years ago decided to help be a part of planning this church. And she's given so much of her life and her heart and her time to pursuing people that don't know Jesus or pouring into people who do. And I've watched these really powerful words guide and shape her life. And it's not that she's perfect, but I've, I've seen the power of, of really good words spoken over her life. And, and I love the words that we're looking at today. We're really gonna be looking at, at one verse and it's John chapter 10, verse 10. And this is what Jesus says. He says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. And who's excited about that verse this morning? Um, this summer, we're in a series called Experiencing Jesus, and I've absolutely loved this series. I've loved looking at the characteristics and the personality and the heart of Jesus and, and just getting a, a up-close look at, at the way he acts and his mind. And his just, I just, I've loved this series, and I love what we're going to be looking at today. And the question that I want us to wrestle is, what in the world does Jesus mean when he says, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full? Okay, when, when you think about someone who is full of life, who comes to mind and what comes to mind? How do we define someone who is, is full of life? Is it, is it those who are, are, are happy and, and always up for an adventure? Is that, is that what makes someone who is, you know, lives life to the full? Is it, is it our friends that are sevens on the Enneagram? Is it, is, it, is it people who are cheerful and optimistic, who never turn down an opportunity for an experience? 
Like when you think about someone who is full of life, is, is that where our mind goes? Does it go to those stereotypes? When you think about someone who is full of the life of God, what comes to mind? Who comes to mind? What does it mean to be full of the, the life of God? You know, I thought of several different things and several different people. Just this week, I thought about um, Sydney's calling me right now. I don't know why I'm Sydney. I'm not going to answer that, though. Um, I bet it's Dave. Um, anyways, <laughs> sorry, that's distracting. Um, Sydney doesn't just call me to talk if everybody's wondering. Um, anyways, um, Sydney, maybe I'm supposed to talk about Sydney. She's full of the life of God, and she is. I, I thought about um, Molly Willis. Molly, are you here today? You on the front row? You know, I met Molly when she was a, a, a teenager. She was um, one of my um, sister-in-laws, Courtney's youngest sister, one of her best friends. And when I met Molly, I knew there was something different about Molly. And it was, it was a good difference if you know Molly and if you don't, I hope that you get the opportunity to because, you know, when I met Molly, you know, some really tragedy surrounded their family. Her sister just died in a tragic car accident. And yet when I met Molly, what I saw was just this woman who just exuded just joy and kindness and gentleness and who just was absolutely overflowing with the Holy Spirit. And I go, man, the circumstances of Molly's life do not match up with what, with what I'm seeing in her life. Like people who've gone through tragedy are supposed to be sad and, and, and weeping. And, I, and, I, and yet I saw something different in her. And it wasn't that she just pretended like everything was okay. There was something deep going on inside of her heart. And what was going on in her heart is the life of God. And it's still flowing out of her. I thought about Lucas Bodo. If any of you guys know Lucas, part of our church family, again, I hope you get to know Lucas. And he was up at the office on Wednesday and I had a, you know, just a short conversation. I literally just asked him the question, man, how are you doing? And how do most of us answer that question? <laughs> yeah, good. How are you doing? Good. All right. Let's see you later. Right. And, and I'm like, Lucas, how are you doing? And he's like, dude, let me tell you about what God's doing in my life. And instantly I'm like, yes. I absolutely don't want to, I don't care if you're just, I want to know what God's doing. And so he starts talking about all these things that, that God is doing and the way that God's working and the pain and the hard stuff. And I'm like, man, someone who is, is full of a life of God can't, can't stuff it down. It, it flows out of them. You, you see it in people. You see it in yourself. For those of you who are followers of Jesus, you know when the life of God's flown out of you. Amen. I've come that you may have life and life to the full. Some incredibly powerful words from Jesus that really have the ability to shape us and guide us and call us into more than we would ever be on our own. These words, though, man, have been misinterpreted. You're like, what do you, what do you mean? Well, you know, this is not an exhaustive list, but think about the ways that the world and maybe even us, the way that we've treated these words. And so Jesus will say something like this. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. And some of us, man, we just completely discard those words. Either because we don't care about the Lord man, or, or because we look at the unfavorable circumstances of our lives and we go, if this is what you give me, God, 
Like if, if this is what life to the full is like, if, if this is what life is like with you, God, then I want nothing to do with you. Man, the, the unwanted circumstances that we find ourselves in sometimes. Some, it looks like singleness with a deep desire to be married. And you're like, God, you told me that, that, that you've come to give me life and yet all I want is a spouse. And I'm in my 30s, I still don't have a spouse. I'm done with you, God. Or maybe it's struggling to, to get pregnant. Maybe it's financial stress, or maybe it's marital problems, or maybe it's job unsatisfaction, or maybe it's you know, watching your, your kids rebel against the Lord. Or maybe it's experiencing same-sex attraction and you don't want it. So often we, we look at the, the, the unfavorable circumstances. It feels like the unfavorable cards that were dealt. And we go, man, if this is what life to the full is like, God, you must be a cruel God. Right? And this is the way that, it, that some people discard these words. Others, man, we, we hear these words and, and, and we go off and we try to define what life means by ourselves. And so this is what I mean, that, that we, we really affirm and believe Jesus has come to give us life and, and life to the full. And then we go, I know how to live life. And so what we do is that we receive grace and we receive forgiveness from Jesus. We are, we are, we are more than okay, like him covering our sins. But then we go off and we go, you know what? I don't really care about you leading my life. I want to just do what I want. And maybe we wouldn't say it quite that way, but our lives kind of demonstrate that. Um, that we look for meaning, that we look for sustained happiness and thrill and euphoria and pleasure from everything under the sun. You know, I read through the book of Ecclesiastes this week. If you haven't read that book, you should go read it sometime. About in the middle of the Bible, this man named Solomon, he was the third king, the third king of Israel. And he comes to the throne and says he's the wisest king that ever lived in Israel. And so the book of Ecclesiastes is him just talking through all the things that he looked for pleasure and meaning and life from. And, and just this, this quick uh, little snippet, I've got a slide for this, Ecclesiastes 2, verses 10 and 11. This is what he said, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for my, all my toil, Verse 11, yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And the word meaningless there, it's the, it's the, the idea of vapor. Like the morning dew, it's there, but it doesn't stay. And he says, man, I spent my whole life building houses and chasing women and building gardens and, and accumulating animals and money. And I'm telling you, it's, like grasping for the morning dew. You know, some of us, this has been our experience. We, we really receive the forgiveness of Jesus, but we've tried to define life without letting him be the Lord of our lives. But I, I believe the way that, that we are intended to receive these words, and this is the way that so many of you are living, it's, man, you hear these words, I've come that you have life and have it to the full, and, and so many of you, you're living life with Jesus. I mean, you really are. 
You're looking to him, and, and, you're, and you're trying your best to, to listen to him and, and to, to, to live like him and, 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 and to live with this full-hearted life towards God. And, and so many of you in this room, you've, you've found this full life. You just have. You've, you've found the, the, the thing, that life that we were put on this planet for. You've found God. You've, you've found that, that joy comes through knowing this God. And so I was reading this verse, okay, I've come to you may have life and have it to the full, but what do you mean by life, Jesus? I did this word study in the book of John this week because this passage is in the book of John. And the word life appears 47 times, at least in the ESV. And that's not my preference Bible. I'm an NIV kind of guy, but I don't hate on you if you love the ESV. It's a good translation. It's used 47 times in, in, the, in the ESV. And, and you're like, okay, what does that even mean? So the only two books in the Bible that the word life is mentioned more than the book of John are the books of Psalms and Proverbs. That's significant because Psalms is like, you know, this, you know, it's, it's, it's the diary, it's the, the songs, it's the heart, it's the, 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 and so often, right, you songwriters, you musicians, you poets, what do you write about? Well, you write about life. It's the heart stuff, right? And so I love this because Psalms is, it's all about the heart. And then Proverbs, man, it's all about the wisdom. And so Solomon is thinking about life and he's giving us instruction for how to live life. And this is incredibly significant because John, the, the third book that talks about life, that mentions it more than any other book in the Bible is the book of John. And in the book of John, the word life, it's two different Greek words, okay? I'm gonna geek out on you for a few minutes. Two different Greek words for, um, for the word life. The first is the word suke. Say that with me, suke. Yeah, you guys are Greek scholars. The word suke is the word that we get the word psychology from. Um, it's the word when translated, it's, it's talking about the self. It's talking about the, the, your inmost being, your will. Um, the, the thing that, that makes you, you. This word suke is found all throughout the book of John. Here's some examples. John chapter 10, verse 11. Um, the very next verse, verse we taught on a couple weeks ago. This is what Jesus says. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his... Life, his suke for the sheep. Is that what it says? Yeah. I'm scrambling to get slides together this morning, so there might be some errors up there. John chapter 15, verse 13, Jesus says this, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's suke for his friends. John 13, verse 37, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you, my suke. John chapter 12, verse 25, which we're going to come back here at the end. Jesus says this, anyone who loves their suke will lose it. While anyone who hates their suke in this world will keep it for eternal zoe. And we're going to get to zoe in just a minute. The first word that is used in the book of John is this word suke. And, 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 and think about it like this. It's the autonomy that we've been afforded. The ability to steward our existence however we choose. The ability to think and reason and choose. And this is an incredibly significant part of our existence and our reality, our suke. Okay? 
So the other word that is used in the book of John is the word zoe, right? You go to Zoe's kitchen, from this word. Don't start saying Zoe, though, because you're going to be pretentious. Just call it Zoe's, Zoe's kitchen, right? And, and, and Zoe, this is, this is the eternal life of God. Okay, this is the, the distinguishing mark, the influence, the stamp on someone's life that God's doing something. It's what you see in Molly, the Zoe. It's not the suke, it's the, it's, it's the Zoe. It's not just her existence. It's, it's the thing that God is doing. You see this in scripture in several places. John 14, verse six, Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the Zoe. No one comes to the Father except through me. You see this in John 5, verse 24. Very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word believes him who sent me has eternal Zoe and will not be judged. You will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to eternal life to Zoe. John 6, verse 40, my Father's will, this is Jesus, is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal Zoe. And I will raise him up at the last day. Thank you, Jesus. John 17, verse 3, Jesus says, now this, this is eternal life. He defines it. Pay attention to this, that they know you. Whoa. This is Zoe that they know you, the only God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. And then John 10, 10, where we are today, I have come that you may have Zoe, have it to the full. You see, when, when Jesus says, I've come to give you life, I've come to give me life, what he's saying is that I'm giving you the opportunity to know and walk with and, and be led by and enjoy Yahweh God. The creator that was there in the very beginning, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of the Bible. The stories you, you read about, his, his power, his, his provision. And you and I get to know this God. We get to enjoy this God forever. Man, the, the life that Jesus is talking about here, it's, it's not just something you get from God. I remember as a kid, maybe you have this memory, like going to hang out with my friends. I'm like, hey, dad, can I get some money? And so this was the posture so often of my childhood, right? Any of you guys res- relate to that? And, and I'd walk up, hey, we're going to, to see you know, the Sandlot for the third time. Can, can, can I go to the movies? And my dad would grab his wallet and, and he'd put money. And so, so often, man, we, we treat life from God like that. Hey, will you give it to me? Okay, great. I've got it. I'm going to go do my thing. No, the reality is that life that he is talking about is him. It's, it's life with him. When you realize that, that this powerful, eternal God speaks still today, and that this God guides, and that this God provides, and this God heals, but that this God is real. It's not some game. It's not just some figment of our imagination. It's not just something that we're doing to make ourselves feel good. Man, when, when you realize that this God sees you, and he's interacting with you, 
and he's loving you and he's working on your behalf and he's doing everything he can to to get you to see and to understand how much he loves you, how much he wants to be with you forever. When you wake up to this, you realize that nothing else satisfies you like walking with this God. Man, when you experience God, you want more of God and you keep coming back to God because you realize that nothing else in life compares. And it's not that you just go off in a desert and become a spiritual hermit. No, you learn to live life with God. That's what he wants. That's the way he lived. He didn't come to earth and then go live in the desert by himself. No, he came and he lived among the brokenness of this world so that his light could could radiate to those who didn't see and didn't know. This week I was just kind of reflecting back, replaying some of the big God moments in my life. How often do you do that? How often do you replay the, the, the undeniable moments where God's working in your life? You see, the enemy is gonna do everything he can to convince you that didn't happen, that wasn't real. And so part of faith is clinging to things that have actually happened to us. And I was replaying just, oh man, I remember when you provided in college. And I remember when you, when you provided our first year of marriage. And I, I remember when you provided our fifth year of marriage. And I remember when you, when you, when you spoke. And I remember when you healed. And I remember when you, when you showed me this thing. And I was just replaying. And what happens is it, is it humbles you and it wakes you up. It, it burns away that fog and it reminds you, oh yeah, man, my life is to be about living with God. I have come that you may have life, that you may have me. That you may have access to me, that you may enjoy me, that you may walk with me, that you have permission to ask me for anything, that you have the ability to, to, to ask me to, to work and to flow and to speak, and I'm eager to work and I'm eager to partner with you, that you have access into the relationship with the eternal, almighty, everlasting God. This is life. And he says, I've come that you would have this life and have it to the full. The word full, it's the word parason. It means beyond. It means extraordinary. It means overflowing. I've come that that your life would just be overflowing with me. That that I'm, I'm literally spilling out of your life. You can't contain me. You can't push it down. That's what I've come for. And if we're being really honest, that's what all of us really want. We want to know God. We don't want to play the game. We want to walk with God. We want the the work of God to flow through us to bless other people. Man, we don't want to be selfish. We don't want to hoard. We don't want to hold back. We want to bless as many people in the name of Jesus for his glory as we possibly can. We want our words to to, to sound like him. We want our actions to look like him. We want every part of our lives in in our thought life in, 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 our, in, our, in our life with our, with, our, with our friends and our family and our kids. We want all of it to just be bubbling out. So how do we get this life? What do I need to know about this life? You know, a couple things. The first is this. We're almost done. The first, and, and this is, um, it can be a little discouraging. The first point is this, though. It's, It's fully found in the future. And here's what I mean by that. Man, right now we get get taste and we get glimpses 
And we get to walk with God now, but it's not like it's going to be. Right now is an appetizer compared to what's coming. So you think about the, the fullness of joy that comes when, when you realize God answers one of your prayers, when God comes through for you when you're in a pinch, when, when, when life is hard and you realize that God cares. The, the ways that we experience and taste his goodness now, we will get the full feast in heaven. And you can't have the full feast until you're standing face to face with the one who died for you. And each of us will see that. Every single one of us, we're gonna have a moment where we stand face to face with the one that died for us. And in this life, if you reject Jesus, if you go, man, he's not real and I don't care and I don't care about him being Lord, there's gonna be a really hard moment for you when you stand face to face with the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, the Almighty, and you realize that he was real and you wasted your life. That's a hard way of saying it. But I'm saying it because I care. I want you to wake up. Because the other reality is that you stand face to face with Jesus, the one that you've loved, even though you can't see him, you've given your life to him. You've given your life to letting him be your Lord. And it's a moment of extreme joy, extreme satisfaction. When you look in the eyes of the one who died for you, and you get to look on his face forever and ever and ever and ever. See, it's, it's fully found in the future. And when we understand that, what it does is it, it actually anchors us, it guides us. It's really good words through this life because it means in the hard and disappointing things, the better things are coming. Yeah, we get God right now. We get to walk with God and, and we get to know him now. But we also understand that everything God gives to us that he wants to give doesn't come in this life. And so like my father-in-law's words, man, they keep anchoring us, keep us going, fooling the future. The second thing is how we access this life. Man, well, we step in through faith. Right? This, is, this is what it means to be a Christian, that you receive Jesus by faith, his grace by faith. Man, do you believe that Jesus, who was there in the beginning, he came to this earth? It's like you gotta wrestle with that. There's so much historical proof that Jesus of Nazareth came and stepped foot on this earth. And so if you're denying it, you need to go and do some studying to prove why. First century Jews are validating, you know, who are not Christians. Yeah, there was a man. So wrestle with that. Jesus of Nazareth came. Do you believe that he stepped foot on this earth? Do you believe that he died on a Roman cross? that they took his body down, that they laid it in a tomb. Do you believe in that? Do you believe that three days later, by the power of God, he, he rose back to life? Yeah. Who believes that this morning? Yeah. That death didn't keep him down. That our sin didn't keep him down. That, that he rose, and it says that, that he appeared to over 500 people. Over 500 people saw him in the flesh, touched his hands. Oh, you believe that he ascended to heaven? That he's at the Father's right hand? The scripture says all kinds of things about what he's doing right now. One of the things that he's doing is he's interceding for you. Whew, yeah, he's interceding for you. Oh God, please let Corey get it. Let him get it more and more. Let him get it more and more. 
Man, let Kevin, let him get it more and more, Father. Let him get it. Holy Spirit, work. Jason, Chloe, let him get it more and more. Jesus is praying for you. Do you believe that Jesus is going to return? And that when he returns, Satan, which we're going to talk about him in the fall, will be crushed. And all evil and all darkness, it will completely be squashed. Injustice overturned when Jesus Christ reigns over all the earth. One king. Tears are no more. Death is no more. Righteousness flourishes and thrives and spreads, and it's all about Jesus being with his people. Do you believe this? If you believe this, he says, man, if you believe that the son was sent, that he died, that he rose, that he's coming back, he said, you've crossed over from judgment. You've crossed over from death to life. If you believe those things about Jesus, man, way to go. And you're a believer in Jesus. You have faith in Jesus. That's amazing. God can work with that. God's going to work with that. Scripture said, man, when you, when you believe, when you confess, you're saved. Whoa. When you put your faith in this Jesus, how do you get this life? By putting faith in him. Even though you can't see him, you believe in him. You trust in him. As foolish as it sounds, as foolish as your non-Christian friends make you feel, man, you live, you, you know it deep in your bones. You have faith. And the third way, man, we access this life is this life, man, it, it, it's, you step in through faith, but it is sustained through following. And I'm not saying through following you earn your salvation. But what I'm saying is that when you follow Jesus, it's proof of your salvation. That when you step into life with God, and you just receive his grace and forgiveness and then you go off and you do whatever you want. You don't care about life with God. You care about getting something from God. You don't care about life with God. A true test that you've been born again, that God's done something in your life is that you have this yearning, this desire to follow him. And this life with God, it, it sustains and it grows as you follow as at, every, at every point, you go, man, Jesus, this is what I want to do, but my life is about you. That as we, as we let go of the, the control and the reins of our lives and we let Jesus lead us, as we look to him in his word, as we walk with him, as we talk about him, as we become just like him, he becomes our life goal. He becomes our dream. He becomes the purpose of this life, to live like him. Man, and when that's our goal, we find this abundant, overflowing life of God. But here's the, the crossroads that each of us finds ourselves at. John 12, verse 25, Jesus says this, anyone who loves their life, anyone who loves their suke, anyone who clings so tightly to to control and to their way of doing things and who refuses to, 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 to let me be Lord, who, who takes life, who spends all of your time and your energy and your money and your thought and all of it on yourself when life is just about you. He says, you will, in the end, lose your life. But anyone who hates their life in this world 
we'll keep it for eternal life. And some of you this morning, man, you need to hear this. The love-hate contrast, it reflects a Semitic idiom that articulates fundamental preference. And so he's not saying, man, you have to go through this life and just hang your head and pretend like you hate life. No, what he's saying is that the person who gives Jesus preference when it bumps up against your own preferences, that's a person who's found life. And just being really honest, man, as, as someone who's been really following Jesus, who loves Jesus, man, there are lots of moments in my life where I let him be Lord and he's flowing through me and he's working and the life of God's bubbling up and then I have moments where I reach back for control and I'm like, you know what? I wanna be Lord right now. I acknowledge, acknowledge the hardness of this, the tension that we all live in and feel. But the spirit will come back to those who are followers of Jesus and so gently, hey, relinquish control. Look to him. Set your gaze back on him. This morning, if you're a follower of Jesus and you've, been, you've, 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 you've taken control of your life, he's just saying, repent, just let go. Look to him again. Let the life of God bubble up and flow out of you. And so, man, when, when this life of God is in us, it brings glory to the Lord. It blesses those around us. And it brings contentment to us. Oh, such contentment, such satisfaction. And so this morning, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna take communion. I'm gonna invite us to, to, to stand in just a minute and to go get a piece of bread and cup of juice. And I want you to, to come back and, and with the people that you're sitting around, I want you to wrestle with these questions. Man, are you experiencing the fullness of life? And I want you to wrestle with, man, what is the Lord inviting you to do? So some of you, you're going to say, yes, I am experiencing the fullness of life. And I don't know what God's going to ask you to do, but, but listen to him. Pray. Literally, just, just pray and then wait and listen. Hey, um, did you get anything? What's God showing to you? Keep asking him. Others of you, man, you're going to realize, man, you're not experiencing the fullness of life. What's he going to ask you to do? He might ask you to repent. He might ask you to, to confess. He might ask you to go across the room and to, to tell someone in your house church, hey, man, I'm struggling. You pray for, I don't know what God's going to invite you to do, but this morning, man, let's, let's practice this abundant life. Let's take a step by letting Jesus be our Lord. So I want to invite us to stand up. I'm going to pray for us. You go get communion. And I'm going to encourage us to, to pray with the people around us. And then when Will calls us back into worship, he's going to send. If you, if you need to go get special prayer at the respond banner, you can do that. Special prayer. That sounded bad. If you want, if you want prayer from, from some of our leaders and elders, you can go and do that. But I really want us to take communion together first. And so let, let me pray and go get bread and cup. God, thanks for just being you, for being awesome. And I pray that, man, anything that was not from you this morning would just be forgotten and forgiven. And Lord, the things that were from you will bear so much fruit. Yeah, and so Jesus, move today. Move in this space as we break the bread, drink the cup. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. Let's go and take communion now. Come back to your seats. Take it with the people around you.